1: Welcome to the first episode of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. We'll start each show with me starting a fire conversation. Today, and only today, I'm going to try to start seven different fires. My right hand man, Uncle Jimmy, will throw some lighter fluid on each one. Yep, yep. All right, today we'll talk about George Floyd statues, why LeBron James pretends to hate America, the letter I wrote to black America, and much more. All that nerfed. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, joined as always by my right-hand man, Uncle Jimmy. Good to have you, Uncle Jimmy. All right, we're going to start the show with me trying to start a fire, and I'm going to start a fire by talking about the Maria uh, Taylor-Rachel Nichols controversy, but I'm going to take you back in history before I start this fire. I'm going to throw some logs on the fire before we ignite it. All right, about 25 years ago, A bigoted coworker at the Kansas City Star stood up in a staff meeting and complained to the publisher and the editor that I was an unqualified stain on the newspaper, including myself. There were approximately 25 people in the meeting. There may have been two other black men in the room. No one offered me a defense. The publisher and editor muttered a weak rebuttal. I left the meeting mad, but I also left the meeting determined, determined to continue to shine determined to make fools of anyone who doubted me as a journalist and a columnist. At the time of the meeting, I'd worked as a sports columnist at the Kansas City Star for three years. I was wildly popular. My impact and success at the Star had been chronicled in a cover story by the Columbia Journalism Review. My impact and success caused the publisher and editor to direct additional finances toward the expanding sports department. My co-worker was a raving, jealous lunatic with a well-known reputation for bigotry and sloppy work. I never sought an apology from him. His support was immaterial to my success. I worked alongside him for the next 13 years without incident. He covered one of our major beats. We communicated when necessary. I bring all this up because I don't understand the Maria Taylor-Rachel Nichols controversy. In a private conversation, Nichols politely told a friend that Taylor's race played a role in Taylor getting the ESPN NBA Countdown hosting job over Rachel Nichols. Nichols did not disparage Taylor's talent or work ethic. Nichols did not state her opinion publicly. Nichols did nothing to offend Taylor. Nothing! Nichols' private conversation was accidentally recorded, and a year later, intentionally leaked to the New York Times. I wonder who did that. Taylor has refused to speak with Nichols and has refused to appear on camera with Nichols for the past year because Rachel Nichols had the audacity to think ESPN plays the racial diversity game. I wonder where she got that thought. This story reached full absurdity Monday afternoon when Nichols opened her television show The Jump By stating she's, quote, deeply sorry for hurting her co-workers and Maria Taylor. Take a look. So the first thing they
0: teach you in journalism school is don't be the story. And I don't plan to break that rule today or distract from a fantastic finals. But I also don't want to let this moment pass
1: without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN,
0: how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I hurt, particularly Maria Taylor, and how grateful I am to be part of this outstanding team.
1: I love the way uh, Rachel's voice broke. How deeply, (laughs) deeply sorry I am. Love that. That was a nice touch. Former NBA players Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson then briefly scolded Nichols before slobbering on about how great Taylor is. Nichols spoke for 27 seconds. Perkins and Jefferson, two people who had nothing to do with the friction between Nichols and Taylor, rambled for 40 seconds apiece. It was bizarre. This entire controversy is ludicrous, and it feels manufactured. It reminds me of the Matt James, Rachel Kirkconnell season of The Bachelor, you know, ended about <laughs> six months ago. Jim, you remember that a white woman went on national TV in pursuit of a black husband? She was willing to take the black scene. That's her business. Yeah, and she was (laughs) framed as racist because three years earlier, she wore a sundress at a sorority party celebrating the Old South. This whole, That blew my mind. And that's what this reminds me of. This is what television networks and television personalities do. They gin up and or exploit racial dysfunction for ratings, relevance, and in the case of Taylor, contract leverage. I couldn't imagine pretending to be as fragile as Taylor, a 34-year-old former Division I basketball and volleyball player. I couldn't imagine being so obsessed with the opinions of white co-workers that their private thoughts could hurt me to the point that I'd expect the company's Human Resources Department to address it. This is embarrassing for black people. And I say black people, and not just Taylor, Because Kendrick Perkins, Richard Jefferson, Jalen Rose, and several other black ESPN employees have publicly validated Taylor's allegedly hurt feelings. This is my problem with modern liberals, black and white. Black liberals turn emotional and weak at the thought of a white person not rubbing their bellies and patting their heads in approval. They believe that the approval appreciation, and affinity of white people are necessary for black success. Never been true in my career. My work ethic has always determined my level of success. I worked at the Kansas City Star for 16 straight years. Throughout those last 13 years, the management of the Star tried to satisfy my detractors and diminish my level of success and spotlight. Was the management racist? Not really of my detractors definitely were. And they squealed loudly. Management oiled the squeaky wheels. It's what weak leadership does. And there's a lot of weak leadership in America. Mm. I didn't have time to squeak. I was too focused on letting my work squeak back. In 2007, I won the most prestigious journalism award the newspaper had received in 15 years. And my work earned me an appearance on The Oprah Winfrey Show when The Oprah Winfrey Show really mattered. I started working for ESPN and Fox Sports. I launched successful local radio shows in Kansas City. I overwhelmed my detractors with excellence. The excellence I produced swelled my bank account. In 2010, I left the Kansas City Star for Far Greener Pastures. A decade later, No one knows the name or the work of my KC detractors. Maria Taylor doesn't have detractors. She has competitors. No one is questioning Taylor's broadcasting talent. She's a natural on camera. Does she work as hard as her competitors? That's up for debate. In the past year, she's chosen to cut corners by constantly playing the race card and claiming that any and every slight is a bullet to her head. She acts like she's not woman enough to handle the natural turbulence and jealousy at the top of any and every industry. Rachel Nichols has handled this kerfuffle like a grown woman. Hmm. Taylor appears childish. At the top of her TV show Monday, Nichols symbolically rubbed Taylor's belly, patted her on the head. Black Twitter was very pleased with the apology. It's embarrassing. The level of delusion fueling this fiasco is mind-blowing. According to the New York Post, Taylor wants a contract similar to Stephen A. Smith's $8 million a year deal. That is crazy! It's a preposterous demand. Everyone knows it. Taylor doesn't know the position she plays. To use a football analogy, Taylor plays center, and Stephen A. Smith plays quarterback. Smith is ESPN's Franchise quarterback, he's Lamar Jackson. Viewers tune in to see him succeed or fail. On NBA Countdown, Taylor snaps the ball to journeyman quarterbacks, Jalen Rose, Jay Williams, and Adrian Wojnarowski. Hmm. They are Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Sam Darnold. You could replace Taylor with another center, Rachel Nichols, and no one would notice. The difference is Nichols can handle the physicality of playing in the NFL. Taylor can't. She requires constant worship, belly rubs, and head pats from white people. It's not gonna happen. Trust me, her black peers, including the ones publicly supporting her, criticize her privately. My credentials as an impact sports journalist are undeniable. I still have detractors. It's the price of success. Pay the price, or go work at a fast food drive through.
0: Uncle Jimmy, how's my first fire? Hold up, small up. <laughs> <laughs> is, hold up. Hold up, man. Before you get your panties in a bunch, yeah. I've been taking some notes here.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, I need to announce that I've come to the conclusion that I think that ESPN. Uh, the conclusion. The conclusion. Go ahead, man. You come to yours, I'll come to mine. <laughs> I think ESPN might be turning into the WWE. Right, now, first of all, before you get started, let me explain, all right? WWE stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. Yes. All right. ESPN stands for Entertaining Sports People Network. Entertaining. See, <laughs> yeah, see, 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 the WWE is built up of good looking people who be pretending to have fights out in public. Okay? Now, unbeknownst to us, the general public, the winners of these events are predetermined. Okay? And see, that's the only thing that's going on over there at ESPN. See, you look at ESPN, look at what's happening. You got Maria Longlegs Taylor going up against Rachel Little Ginger Nichols. Okay? See, this ain't nothing more than your typical girl fight. Bro, they're gonna be screaming, slapping, pulling weave. It's gonna be unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? See, you don't get this, nephew. It's going to be unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? See, you don't get this, nephew. See, most of these WWE wrestlers, they don't even write their own storylines. Their scripts, they're given to them. Okay? And and they're given to them, and the things they say on camera, they don't really mean. Somebody gave it to them. It's their job to make it look believable. Okay? See, let me tell you something. Look, I I got it written down. Let me tell you about some recent WWE ESPN storylines, okay? All right? Because you know good and damn well that boy, what's his name? Jay Williams? Yeah. Now, you know, ain't nowhere in hell that that boy played basketball in the NBA and he thought that this was Boston's first black coach. Oh, yeah, Jay (laughs) Williams. He know damn good and well. But guess what? The script said he gonna be the first black coach. So guess what he was? He was the first black coach. I got another WWE ESPN hot, hot script for you. Your boy, Jalen Rose. Yeah. Our boy from Detroit. You trying to tell me he don't know racism? He don't know what some real racism is. The only thing he can find that he can call racism is Kevin Love being accepted into the Olympic team. That's racist. Come on, man, that's part of the damn script, Jason. <laughs> okay, then, hold on. <laughs> Let me go one more. Let me go like one that. more. Let, I got one more. Off the hotline of the WWE. ESPN. my girl, pretty brown eyes, Miss oh. Jamel here. Now, I know what a lot of people think. Let me calm down there. Now, a lot of people think that Jamel was hanging out one night, and she went on a bender out on these Twitter streets, hanging out with her friends. <laughs> And they think that Jamel was sitting up and told her friend, said, girl, I'm getting ready to tweet the president. (laughs) Her friend friend said, president of what? Jamel said, of America, (laughs) and push in. Really? Really? That was part of the damn script. There ain't no way in hell Jamil thought that she was gonna tweet the president of the United States of America and there wasn't gonna be no consequences. Jason, it's almost like when you be set up talking about, Jim, I worked six hours on my trade master today. Nah, that's a script. <laughs> On oh, second thought, that's a damn lie, <laughs> Stairmaster Jim. Not. Damn, sure. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, yeah, hold, give me for a minute now. Yeah. You did have a cup of coffee at ESPN, right?
1: Yes, I did. Two okay. cups. Two cups. Two okay. different times. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, now, let, let me let me get this right. You said Jalen Rose, Jay Williams, and Adrian Wojo. Wojnowski. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You compared them to who? Who was this? Let, let me see. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Sam Darnold. Yeah. Now, my question to you, if you were still employed at the WWE ESPN, what character would you be? What you gonna say? Tom Brady. Jeff George? Tom Brady. Hell no. You be, what's that boy's name? Jared Lorenz? <laughs> Jared Lorenzen? You remember him? The hefty lefty?
1: Uh, I do remember see? the hefty. See, you he, 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 I swear you don't see a resemblance. <laughs> Look at that. I do not see a resemblance. Look at that. I don't not see a resemblance. Look, it look like tw- I would be the I would be the hefty righty. I think is what they would call me, not the hefty lefty. Hey, whatever you call it, man, you 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 be there, Jim. I, I gotta give you something. <laughs> Ending on this note, comparing me to the hefty lefty, that's some good work. You do that's, know he did, right? Yeah, I do know he's there, but I like the WWE okay, ESPN. Don't upset you. I'm good. I like the WWE ESPN. You, you went totally comedic, Jim. I thought maybe you'd go a different route. You know, I, I walk you through all my Kansas City Star history or some of my Kansas City, you were a witness to a lot of this. Me and you had discussions about this very thing that I'm talking about here in this piece about, like, hey, man, you can't let other people's opinion control your emotions and feelings. Yes, you can. No, you
0: can't. Yes, <laughs> Not if you it, want it, to be successful. Well, now you got to add that part. You didn't add that part. I mean, you know, it, it, it take you. you have to want it, man. You know, you you and I have been friends for, damn, some people might say too long. But the fact of the matter is, we've been friends because the very thing that you write about, the very thing you talk about, you were the the guy that taught me, damn, if what they're saying to you ain't putting no food in your son's mouth, ain't putting no clothes on their back, what the hell are you talking about? What are you tripping about? You know, I mean, remember, man, I was if from it that. It don't make dollars. He said it don't make sense. I really, I told you, I always said, is that pissed me off that you quoted that on me because it's like, you really didn't have that cred to quote that. On. <laughs> you know, it's like, how you gonna, it's like, damn. Yeah, I know, people that, don't that, give me a real, point. you i made rap music, but go ahead. Jason. <laughs> yeah. That is so real, man. I, you know, okay, you like rap, our people love to quote rap music. Okay, that's a, that's a lyric for you. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense.
1: Okay. And if people are not impacting, but this is why I think Maria is being very calculated here because she's just using Rachel Nichols. She's using the Dave Lamont, I wrote about this the other day. Uh, She used uh, one other person that's not coming off the top of my head, but all the, Drew Brees. Drew Brees, Dave Lamont, Rachel Nichols. She's just slandering all these people as racist and using it as leverage to enhance her value and contract leverage. It's a game and it's sick. And, and it's legitimately disappointing. And and then to run around in every little slight of a coworker, a coworker talking behind your back, and you need human resources involved, mm-hmm. you got to write emails to the very top of ESPN.
0: That's how we do.
1: Again, that's not, and again, this is our problem. Are we really that fragile, Jim? Are we really, is the opinions of some white person that important that we're that fragile?
0: Okay, when you say we. Yeah. Are you talking about us? Are we talking about 50 plus year old? Are we talking about 32 year old? Jim, I used to be
1: 34. She's 34. I used to be that. When people was coming for my head at the Kansas City Star, I was 29 and 30 years old.
0: But Jason, Joyce and Jimmy, Joyce and James didn't raise you like that. We're cut from a different cloth. Okay? These young people, man, I keep telling you, these kids is from the from the everybody that participates gets a trophy era. You know, these people are from the are from the by, you know, not the by any means necessary. They're gonna use whatever means that it takes for them to get it. So if it means that you're gonna play the race card, the the any card. Well, by any means, if that's what it takes to get ahead, I'm going to get it. And so what? I'll sleep well at the end of the night.
1: They they did announce today, ESPN did, ESPN. they pulled Rachel Nichols off the NBA finals. See? See? and replaced her with a black woman, Malika Andrews. The sideline.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You hear what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, that, that's how you correct racism, by doing some more racism. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you correct it. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Jesus. No, no, you. you, no, I was but about again, to you. That
1: was to Jesus, man. Go ahead. Literally, that is what they're doing. They're allegedly combating racism with racism. And I, I just don't think this ends well for any parties involved. ESPN has a zoo, a circus going on. And the inmates. The, the talent, and and talent that doesn't matter. Because I'm just telling you, uh, Maria Taylor's talented, but she doesn't matter. She plays center. Does it matter who snaps the ball to Peyton Manning? If you fumble. <laughs> Peyton Manning is the show. Stephen A. Smith and the guys to play quarterback and women that play quarterback. Rachel Nichols is trying to play quarterback, I guess. Uh, but anyway, all right, let's move on now, uh, but before we move on to my next topic, the next fire I'm going to start, I want to remind the viewers to go to youtube.com slash fearless with Jason Whitlock, become a YouTube subscriber, hit that notification button. Let's build this audience. Let's build this following. All right, now let's move on to my next topic, George Floyd, the deification of George Floyd harms black people and America. The statues unveiled a couple of weeks ago in Newark, New Jersey and Brooklyn, New York, that memorialize the final nine minutes of George Floyd's life, denigrate and diminish the reputation of black men. George Floyd was a victim of his drug addiction, self-destructive behavior, and Derek Chauvin's misconduct. Floyd is not Jesus. He's not Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, or Medgar Evers, Black men who died tragically in service of promoting racial fairness. Floyd isn't Crispus Attucks, the first man killed in America's Revolutionary War. Floyd isn't Emmett Till, an innocent victim of anti-Black bigotry. Floyd isn't any of the Black men I know who are terrific fathers, husbands, providers, and protectors. George Floyd isn't Uncle Jimmy, my media sidekick whose primary job is father to his young sons, James and Jamil. George Floyd is a prop corporate media uses for attention, a pawn liberal politicians use to push policy, and a punching bag social media activists use as a symbol to explain black people and promote themselves. A prop, a pawn, and a punching bag. That is not the recipe for deification in statues. It's a recipe for the impungement of the character, integrity, and reputation of black people. The politicians, activists, celebrity influencers, and media personalities, the exploiters of George Floyd, are determined to transform an amateur porn star, an amateur porn star, a violent criminal, and a drug abuser into a national hero. They do so because they have no respect Black men or black people. Yes, I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, Black Jesus, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Sean King, LeBron James, Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, Rachel Maddow, Jamel Hill, Michael Eric Dyson, Al Sharpton, Joy Reid, Joe, Joe Scarborough, Chris Cuomo, Jack Dorsey, Colin Kaepernick the editors and writers at the New York Times, the Washington Post, BuzzFeed, and the Daily Beast. The entire satanic cabal of cultural elites, both white and black, are using George Floyd and other forms of racial division to overthrow a flawed system of governance that has outperformed any other system ever invented. The orchestrated destruction of the American black man is an orchestrated attack on America's moral conscience. The retelling of the black American journey as a narrative of victimhood rather than victory is the central strategy in painting the American experiment as a failure in need of a Marxist overhaul. America's global elites prefer China and the Communist Chinese Party. That's why we're erecting statues honoring George Floyd's last nine minutes of life. That's why President Biden suggested Floyd's death was more meaningful than Dr. Martin Luther King's. Biden and the elitist revolutionaries want us to believe that America's system of government denies black people agency. We're defenseless punching bags for Trump supporters, proud boys, conservative evangelicals, rural militias, Republicans and every other group that doesn't pledge allegiance to the Democratic Party. In their reimagining of our history, black people's history, we have no accomplishments more compelling than our suffering. Our story isn't about what we've done or will do. It's about what has happened to us. We're an American tragedy, according to them. George Floyd is relevant only because of the actions of Derek Chauvin, a white police officer. The new fixation on the Tulsa Massacre, Black Wall Street, is a story about what happened to black people. The new Juneteenth national holiday is a story about what happened to black people. No one who wants to promote a positive self-image and inspire young people to achieve would explain their journey the way black people are being coerced into explaining ours. It's offensive to build a statue celebrating a man whose most memorable accomplishment is having a policeman kneel on his neck and back for nine minutes. This is insane. This is insanity. Let me use the story of LeBron James as an example. If LeBron wanted to inspire his own kids with a story about his basketball career, Would he tell a story about what happened to him in the NBA Finals Series against the Dallas Mavericks? He got beat in that series by Dirk Nowitzki's one-man team. Or would LeBron tell a story about the final series against the Golden State Warriors in 2016? He's down 3-1. He comes all the way back, wins the championship. Would LeBron paint himself as a panicked loser or a courageous champion? How does the George Floyd statue paint black men? The statue in Newark has Floyd seated on a park bench wearing a wife beater shirt. I'm shocked the sculptor didn't put a crack pipe in one hand and a 40 ounce of beer in the other. The statues of Floyd need to be torn down immediately. They're racist. They're designed to symbolize that America turns black men into lazy criminal drug addicts. I reject that in the name of Frederick Douglass, Richard Allen, Booker T. Washington, Benjamin Banneker, George Washington Carver, Thurgood Marshall, Clarence Thomas, Colin Powell, Muhammad Ali, Jackie Robinson, Ben Carson, Nat Turner, and so many more. I reject it on behalf of my father, my brother, and so many of my friends. As black men, we must put a stop to politicians, activists, and corporate media using us for an agenda that doesn't serve us. And those of us, and those of you who love this country, must join us in putting a stop to this exploitation and bigotry. Elites denigrate black men as a means to tear down America. Elites finance, platform, and promote black degeneracy in music, movies, social media, podcasting, police interaction, et cetera, as a means to destroy America. Challenging the left's systemic racism is the duty of every God-loving, patriotic American. Wow. (laughs) What you got, Uncle Jimmy? I just started a blaze. Ah.
0: (laughs) Damn. Man, I don't like talking about George Floyd. Honestly, man. Because folks have the tendency to lose their mind when you talk about George Floyd. Seriously. Hey, man, folks will let you talk about Jesus before they let you talk about George Floyd. That's true. Okay, <laughs> That's seriously, true. man. Hey, man, have you ever heard black people say, George Floyd didn't deserve what happened to him? And it, no, have you ever went, but Jesus did? <laughs> Look, man, the, the thing that bothered me about George Floyd is this, man. Hey, man, somebody needs to tell these young brothers everything in life don't have to be a fight, you know? My grandmother said, son, a good run beats a bad stand any day. A bad stand? Yes. A good run beats a bad stand. S-T-A-N-D. Yeah. Any gotcha. day. <clears throat> Don't hurt to run. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seriously. Check this out. George, you handcuffed. It's four officers. That's five to one. Bro, you're not going to win that. You're not going to win those odds. But... I wish these young brothers would stop getting high and thinking that they're invincible and thinking that even if you handcuff, you can beat them odds. You just made
1: a heck of a point.
0: Jason, let me ask you something. If his death was so horrible, why didn't they block it off of social media? Hmm? I don't know if you remember this when it first happened, but you told me, you said, Jim, you got to go watch this. I did not want to do it. I reluctantly did it. And when I watched it, I cried like hell the first 20 times I've seen it. After a while, it kind of desensitizes you from the real problem. You know, see, cause after a while, society and social media starts to control the narrative. You know, everybody's screaming, oh, that's racism. I got an idea. How about somebody scream and talk about self-control, self-respect? How about somebody talking about the harms and effects of chemical addiction? How about having some respect for rules and regulations that govern a facility? Now, see, if we talk about these things, then we might be able to prevent a George Floyd from happening again in the future. You know? But now we live in a society that for some reason, I don't know if you noticed this, but they done started kind of incentivizing our little young, young adults. They say things to them like, you too can have a statue of yourself in your neighborhood if and only if you are murdered by a white police officer. Now, see, you know, we as black people don't like to read the fine print. <laughs> you know, see, black people don't read the fine print. And the black fine print says, it don't count if you get killed by a black cop or if you get killed by Pookie. You only get the statue as if you get killed by a white cop. Now, my last and final thing is this, man. i want to say this point, and I'm going to be serious, okay? When you are a father... When you are a father, you have to do everything in your power, Jason, to make it home at the end of the day.
1: Heck of a point. George Floyd was a father, and I.
0: If you don't make it home, what good to do?
1: None. I got nothing to add to that. We're going to keep right. it moving. We're going to take a short break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Carl Nassib, the, or Carl Nassib, the you don't even gay, know gay NFL game, player.
0: You don't even know who he is yourself. <laughs>
1: and we're going to talk about the letter I wrote to black America. I can't wait to talk about that. All right, but before we go, make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube.com slash Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Hit the notifications, leave a comment. Come join this fearless party. When we come back, we got more show. Welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, joined alongside by Uncle Jimmy. All right, let's see if we can keep this fire going. Keep it going, buddy. I'm going to talk about Carl Nassib, the gay NFL player that just came out. Uh, I'm going to need uh, some additional proof of Carl Nassib's amazing courage. From my vantage point, the 27-year-old Las Vegas Raiders defensive end looks more like Colin Kaepernick than a Jackie Robinson. Robinson, the baseball star, was a courageous trailblazer. Opening doors for equal opportunity against a horrific backlash of bigotry. Kaepernick was and is an opportunist, a frustrated athlete who joined the Alphabet Mafia, BLM, for protection. Rather than deal with the ramifications of his NFL fall from grace, Kaepernick kneeled during the national anthem and blamed white racism for the collapse of his dream. Cap isn't unique. Few people of any color attribute their failures to the man or woman in the mirror. Carl Nassib is not unique either, nor is he heroic. He simply put in a twist on the Kaepernick playbook. By announcing on Instagram that he prefers to have sex with men, Nassib, listed as third string on the Raiders' depth chart, increased his likelihood of making the team's roster tenfold. He increased his chances of moving up the depth chart 20-fold. He increased his attractiveness to corporate advertisers a hundredfold. In modern America, joining the Alphabet Mafia, LGBTQIA+, has more privileges than American Express. The Alphabet Mafia is lifelock, a guarantee of your good name and security of your finances while you sleep. Nassib is untouchable. He and his agency, CAA, The Don of Dons in the Alphabet Mafia are playing 3-D chess. In 2020, the Raiders signed Nassib as a free agent, handing him a three-year, $25 million contract with $16 million in guarantees. Nassib underperformed. He played the fewest number of snaps in his five-year, three-team career. He was mediocre against the run and as a pass rusher as well. Two-and-a-half sacks. This offseason, the Raiders acquired veteran defensive end Yannick Nakua, two years, $26 million, and drafted defensive end Malcolm Kuntz in the third round. Las Vegas already has a 2019 number four overall pick, Cleveland Farrell, and 2019 overachiever, Max Crosby, at right defensive end. Nassib is from a football family. His dad played college football. So did both of his brothers, including an older brother who played briefly in the NFL at quarterback. Nassib can do the calculus on the Raiders roster and what he's up against in a critical season for him financially. he has another season like last year, the Raiders will surely dump him and his career will likely come to an end. His decision to become a made man in the Alphabet Mafia couldn't be more perfectly timed. There will be a lot of pressure on Raiders coach John Gruden to put the team's brand new media darling on the field so that broadcasters can pretend that where Nasset places his penis in the privacy of his home elevates his character and courage above his peers. I don't see enhanced courage or character. I'm sorry. And I'm not homophobic. Not anymore. When I was a kid, all the way through college, I was as dumb and as homophobic as most of my Football playing peers. Now, how consenting adults pleasure themselves sexually is irrelevant to me. Many of us, whether gay or straight, pleasure ourselves in sinful ways. I don't view my sexual sins as any more or less sinful than Nassib's. I'm fine letting God judge. I'm also aware that there was a t- there was a time not long ago when, his, when this society's hostility towards homosexuals was repugnant and inhumane. A time has passed. We've corrected that. The pendulum has now swung to the point that our society gives extra credit points to those who prefer same-sex. Carl Nasib is aware of this swing. He's not tennis star Martina Navratilova living her truth against a wave of disapproval. He's not even Michael Sam, entering the NFL after kissing his boyfriend on national TV. Nassib is cashing in. His announcement that he prefers sex with men was greeted by thunderous applause everywhere, from the commissioner's office to the playing field and all across social media. Virtually no one had heard of Carl Nassib before he made his non-historic proclamation on Instagram. Now major corporations will make it rain on Nassib. Corporate media outlets will deify and protect him the way they have George Floyd, Colin Kaepernick, Megan Rapino, and all the other Alphabet Mafia members. What excites Carl Nassib's penis has transformed an average NFL player into one of the most important people in sports? If Kim Kardashian excites you, your penis envy is justified. Kim Kardashian excites me, Uncle Jimmy. I got penis envy.
0: <laughs> I, I really wish you wouldn't just make such direct eye contact with me when you say that, to be honest with you. Because I really didn't realize how pretty your eyes was. That's, let's go here, man. Hey, man, I remember when this story what? first broke, man. Yeah. I I remember when it first broke, man, and my partner came up and said, yo, Jim, uh, what you think about Carl Nasbitt? I straight up am like, who in the hell is Carl Nasbitt? He said... It's the NFL player who came out and said he gay I Said who he played for the 49ers Stop he, it. He gets pissed. <laughs> okay. He like now he played for the Raiders. And so, you know, I'm not I'm like, oh well, hell That ain't gonna work. So then here he go. Oh, you wanted him Wanna what? You wanted them people who think that a gay person shouldn't play in the NFL. You got a problem with it. I said no I got a problem of a person that claimed to be in their right mind and voluntarily going playing for the Raiders. That's what the hell I got a problem with.
1: (laughs) You are a Chiefs fan. Well, listen, if you want me to
0: keep it real, you want me to keep it 100? A thousand. You want me to keep it fearless? Fearless. Hey, man, people starting to bug the dog shit out of me with this subject. Look at me, whatever your favorite sexual premise is, your famous sexual position, that's your business. And believe me, it has no place whatsoever in the workplace. Okay, and if that was true, everybody right now would be calling me Uncle Jimmy, doggy dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, that's these kids' problem. They did nowadays. used to
1: call you Jimmy the Free.
0: All right, then. <laughs> See, but that's these kids' problem these days. All, right. All these kids think they special. See, Nissab think the fact that he gay make him special. He ain't special. It just means that he a little closer with some of his male friends than he is with some of the other ones. You know, we all got that one male friend that we do a little bit more for than we do for another. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, but now since we just putting it out there like that, hell, I might be a little gay myself. Hey, hey, it, it might be. It's like this, nephew. Let me just put it like this. I'm going to be real with you. Jim, you, Every, got a, you got five kids. Hey, bro, oh, well, <laughs> hey, it can happen. I, I, I'm, I'm, still in, I'm still in transition. <laughs> Listen, man, let me man. Everybody that say they gay ain't gay. It's like back in the day. Everybody that you saw using food stamps didn't need food stamps. That's true. They was just simply taking benefits that they didn't deserve. Okay, now, Jason, you know for a fact I worked in a jail for 17 years. Yes, I I've did. told you this story. I was talking to an inmate one time, and this inmate had spent over this half. This is a true story. This you, is a true story. This
1: will be like the 30th time I've heard it. Go ahead.
0: But, I mean, <laughs> it's a true story. This guy had spent over half of his life in jail. Yeah. And I just asked him straight up, because this is the question that everybody will know that hasn't been to jail. I said, hey, man, how true is it that if you stay in jail long enough, you're going to have to make some compromises. You're going to have to make some compromises on your morality. And, man, I never will forget how this dude looked at me straight in my eyes, and he did not crack a smile. And I said, is that true? And he said, I'm not going to lie to you, boss. I wasn't gay. It was just a hustle. (sighs) And I think that's what Carl Nassif is doing. (laughs) Carl Nassif realized his commissary's getting (laughs) low. He's running a hustle. And that's all it is. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm gonna move
1: on. Yeah? Because I have no response to that. I, I got nothing. I, I wanna get to this letter that I wrote to Black America. Can't wait to hear your reaction. Make it happen. All right, dear Black people, we're being lied to and set up. <laughs> Mainstream media, Democratic politicians, social justice, justice activists, and perhaps even your church pastor have led you to believe. America is in the midst of a racial conflict similar to the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement. They have pitted us against the Proud Boys, the KKK, rural militia groups, and Trump supporters in a made-for-TV race war. Just five years after Barack Obama completed two terms as President of the United States, we're supposed to believe America has been overrun by violent white supremacists determined to reinstate segregation, Jim Crow laws, and maybe even slavery. Evidence of this massive wave of 1920 style bigotry amounts to three things. One, Republicans want all voters to show a government-issued ID to vote. Two, on January 6, unarmed Trump supporters crashed the Capitol and took pictures inside Nancy Pelosi's office. Three, across the nation, police kill on average 250 black men and 450 white men per year. I did not misspeak. 250 black men and 450 white men. I did not misspeak. That's proof of racism. Oh, I almost forgot there's a fourth piece of evidence. Colin Kaepernick failed to land a job as a starting quarterback after pissing off a large segment of football fans by taking a knee during the National Anthem. Those are the smoking guns proving that white supremacy is the most dangerous domestic threat America faces. Are you kidding me? George Floyd, a habitual criminal and drug addict, is the crispest addicts of this raging race war. He is our rallying cry and hero. It's a setup. We're being used as decoys and distractions in a war that has nothing to do with race. The real war is about global power and the future of America's system of government. This country's elite global citizens and corporations prefer communism over capitalism and democracy. They prefer China's system over our system. America's been the world's leader in racial progress and fairness. That's an indisputable fact. The mainstream media are not allowed to explain this to you. Advertisers, a.k.a. major corporations, will no longer support media outlets that back our current democratic and capitalistic systems of governance. You say, (laughs) What about Fox News? Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity? Turn it on. Fox News is filled with a bunch of My Pillow and Wounded Soldier commercials. America's big global corporations, the ones looking to improve their market share in China, are not financially supporting Fox News. The most popular voices at Fox News dislike China. The faux race war the mainstream media have promoted is a tool being used to convince you and non-black Americans that our system of government has been a giant failure. They want you to believe that a great reset is necessary to achieve fairness. The reset is communism, which starts with the gateway drug of socialism, a.k.a. Bernie Sanders, and it all ends in full-blown Marxism. China is run by the Communist Chinese Party. Communism has no respect for individual freedom or religious freedom of any kind. Communism has no tolerance for political dissent. Your religion and free speech will not survive the reset. Communism is racial oppression's best friend. When a nation is stripped of religious faith and free speech, few people, Very few people have the courage to defend the rights of minorities. The elites cozying up to China do not care about you. They are aware of how despicably China treats black people. They are aware of how China squashes dissent. Do your own research on communism and what it stamps out and how it oppresses. Don't take my word. You might be wondering why Oprah Winfrey or LeBron James or Barack Obama or some other super popular black celebrity isn't telling you what I am. They're global elites. The reset won't hurt them or their loved ones. Communism favors wealthy elites far more than capitalism and democracy do. Oprah, LeBron, Obama, and the other uber-wealthy black tokens will thrive under socialism and communism. You won't. Unless you're a six foot six basketball star or some other black entertainer capable of entertaining the people in power, that's a tiny percentage of black people. Why won't your favorite white cable newsman or newswoman tell you what I'm telling you? Rachel Maddow, Anderson Cooper, Chris Cuomo, Joe Scarborough? Aren't they our allies? Oh, they're not. They're political lobbyists working on behalf of the corporations and politicians pushing the reset. I'm not QAnon. I'm just telling you the facts. Okay, what about about me? What about Jason Whitlock? You might think I'm a political partisan working on behalf of conservative Republicans. That is certainly how I've been painted by left-leaning media outlets and social media platforms. And I'm now partnered with Blaze Media, a platform that leans right. That's my career. I've been at this for more than 30 years. I've been equally despised by the left and the right. I have publicly feuded with Bill O'Reilly and Keith Olbermann. I've been a guest on their old Fox News and MSNBC shows. I've worked and or written for ESPN, Fox Sports, The Huffington Post, Playboy Magazine, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal. I spent years bashing Sarah Palin. I don't play for any political team. I've never voted. I go wherever I believe I can speak, follow, and write the truth. The truth I believe most is that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus is under attack. That's why I'm at Blaze Media. can't defend Jesus at corporate media outlets. Advertisers won't allow it. You can discuss the religion of racism every day at ESPN, CNN, CNN, MSNBC, and even Fox Sports. But it's taboo to discuss the cure for racism Jesus on those platforms I'm not saying any of this because there's a big paycheck for black men espousing my views the money for black broadcasters and journalists is connected to preaching the race bait religion let me be clear hmm I ain't broke not by any stretch I've earned and saved a substantial amount of cash But I've bypassed far more money than I've earned with the choices I've made to follow the truth wherever it leads and my refusal to support the racial groupthink dictated by global elites. My faith won't allow me to jump on board with the lunacy, racism, and sacrilege of Black Lives Matter, a movement founded by three lesbian, self-admitted, trained Marxists. BLM is an atheist movement in support of LGBTQ issues and the reshaping of America into a communist country. BLM is part of the deception. Black people tell me all the time, I don't support BLM, the organization, but I support the slogan and the sentiment. Hmm. Let me translate that. Despise the devil's tree, but love the fruit it produces. That's some Don Lemon, Lori Lightfoot, Van Jones, Colin Kaepernick level of hypocrisy. You know, all the the Malcolm X wannabe anti-white radicals in relationships with white partners. They hate the white tree, but can't live without the white fruit. We have to stop letting everyone use us. We're being played. We're all being played, black and white, working-class people. It's all a giant setup. Look at what they did to the Trump supporters. They were manipulated into storming the Capitol, and then the corporate media portrayed it as a bloody, violent KKK rally intended to overthrow democracy. The so-called insurrection is an excuse for the government to seize more power and crush dissent. We... Black people have been convinced the crushing of working-class white people is good for us. It's not. Working-class white people, Christian white people, are our true allies, not the elites. We can't see that because of the made-for-TV hyper-focus on racial conflict. The defunding and demoralizing of police are tactics deployed to increase violence in major cities. Local media outlets are focusing on this rise in crime. National media outlets have followed suit, and social media platforms are generating viral videos expo- exposing the crime wave. Guess who are the stars of this content? Ooh. Black perpetrators. It's all a massive setup, the stirring of racial animus between Obama worshipers and Trump worshipers is orchestrated by billionaire elites, executed by trained Marxists, promoted by millionaire influencers in the media, sports, and entertainment worlds, and co-signed by religious leaders pursuing popularity. Black America, print this letter, share this video, share this audio with family, friends, co-workers, and most importantly, your pastor. My critics will tell you, oh, Jason Whitlock is a sellout. He hates black people. That's laughable. It's Part of the deception. I despise the people deceiving us, manipulating us to participate in a racial clash that will be used to destroy the religious and individual freedoms that liberated us. There's a reason black and brown people across the globe fight, fight to get in this country and excel when they do. They love the American tree, and the fruit it produces. Thanks for listening to this. Wow, Jimbo,
0: help me out, Woo! Big Bro. First of all, mm, I don't know where shall I start at. I need the camera to zoom in right here, <laughs> real, if I may. I need to talk to my peoples. Okay, I'm here to tell y'all. Peoples, look at me. We've been hoodwinked. We've been bamboozled. We've been sold a bill of goods. And it's all been at the hands of one Barack Obama. (laughs) I'm gonna keep it real. I'ma keep it fierce. Look here, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna say I'm not I'm not proud of this white people, but Barack Obama had me believing or had a lot of black people believe that we voted for him, that we was going to own at least two white people. <laughs> I'm not saying that's fair. I'm not saying it's right. But he was the president at the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, if he'd have handed down the executive order, <laughs> I'm just saying.
1: You thought that was the reparations, two, look, two man, white people.
0: Look, look, man, and, and just check me out, yeah. Jason. Yeah, go because ahead. Because I think that we as black people, I think we had reasonable expectations for Barack. I mean, we knew good and damn well we wasn't going to get no 40 acres and a mule. Uh, God damn it. We couldn't have got a duplex and a a Martin Luther King dog. huh? The only promise, and I'm I'm so serious, the only promise I really remember Barack Obama keeping when he got in office was him making the promise to make it so that transgender people can go use public bathrooms with my little boys. That's what he made. It. That that's that's the one promise he kept. <sighs> okay, now hold on. Now since we since we getting loose here, there's a couple of other little parts from your dissertation that I would like to respectfully disagree with you about. Okay, you said that these little young kids is being taught to be worried about the KKK, the loud boys, proud boys, proud them two, yeah. and the militia, right? Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you, Jason, and I want you to tell me. I really don't think that they're really worried about them. Honestly, I, the only thing that these young kids is worried about, what are they worried about? They're worried about being attacked by the next racist white police officer. See, they're going to be speeding. This, this is what happens. Young kids are speeding down the street. They're doing what they call perved and swerved and crashing all into the curb. Got so much weed smoke in the car you can't see out the front window. <laughs> I pulls you over, and what's the first thing you say? You pulled me over cause I'm black. <laughs> How the hell I pull you over because you're black, and I couldn't even see in the damn car. <laughs> <laughs> huh? But no, but see, this is what we've been taught. Yeah. See, because the moment the moment you have that interaction with the police officer, as a young man, you are uh, a young black man, you automatically in fight or flight. Why? Because you've been trained to hate. The police. That's true. Now, now I think that's ironic because check this out. The first time the KKK, or what'd you call them, the Proud Boys. Proud boys, yeah. The militia, somebody, the first time, let's see, keep in mind, I'm all I'm 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 a little bit older than y'all. First time one of these groups burn a cross in your front yard, God forbid they set your house on fire. Huh. (laughs) Who you gonna call? You ain't calling Pookie.
1: You ain't calling the Ghostbusters.
0: You ain't calling Ray Ray. You know who you calling? The police. Oh yeah, one more thing, one more thing, hold up. One more thing, I I also wanna say that I resemble your little comment at the end talking about all black and brown people fought to get in this country. I think we need to respectfully agree to disagree that some people was just giving some bad vacation advice from their travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Who? I'm just saying everybody didn't fight to get here. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's true.
1: And that's why they take it for granted, and the people that do fight for, to get here don't take it for
0: granted. That's what I'm talking about. Beautiful. You're on fire today, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay right where you are. Before you
1: go, though, Go to youtube.com slash fearless with Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notifications button. Join the fearless army. When we come back, oh, we got even more. We're going to get into why LeBron James pretends to hate America and. We're going to talk about a topic. I set my 4th of July uh, barbecue off. I went back home to Indianapolis for a 4th of July barbecue with friends and
0: family. Yeah, you told me about that after the fact.
1: Yeah, I I set the whole barbecue on fire by bringing up Bill Cosby. Now, you want to talk about a crazy conversation. If if we had had a tape recorder running then, my Lord, we wouldn't even need to be doing this show. (laughs) All that and more. Next! Welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, joined as always by my right-hand man, Uncle Jimmy. We're going to keep this whole thing rolling, and we're going to get on, into on. why LeBron James pretends to hate America. A couple of weeks ago, Nike CEO John Donahoe inadvertently explained the difference between NBA legends Michael Jordan and LeBron James. In a conference call with Wall Street analysts, Donahoe described the shoe brand's commitment to China, saying, quote, Nike is a brand that is of China and for China. According to Yahoo News, Donahoe Donahoe spent his first weeks as CEO scoping out Nike's operations in China. The Bible and common sense has spoken authoritatively on Portland, Oregon's shoe company, Nike. Let me quote the Bible. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Nike cannot serve America and China. It has chosen its master, and it is not us. China is a communist-run, authoritarian, racist country. America is, or has been, a democratic republic pursuing freedom and fairness. You can't be of China and for China and serve America. For the past decade, American sports fans, sports writers, and sports broadcasters have debated the on- and off-court differences between the 1990s NBA superstar and Nike pitchman Michael Jordan and 2010s NBA superstar and Nike pitchman LeBron James. The off-court difference could not be more clear. Jordan spoke for Nike when the company was a brand of America and for America. James speaks for the company that now serves China. Keep in mind, Nike is Jordan and James's primary employer. The $40 billion a year shoe company pays Jordan and James far more than the $8 billion a year NBA. The reality is the NBA is the marketing department of Nike. The NBA's main purpose is to sell sneakers in general and Nikes in particular. No other major sports league is as dependent on and under the control of a single sponsor as the NBA is to Nike. Former NBA Commissioner David Stern is credited with hatching the league's plan to take the game international. The truth is, Nike founder Phil Knight devised the plan. After conquering the U.S. market, Knight wanted to colonize and overtake China saying, quote, we've always been, we've always taken a long-term view, Donahoe told Wall Street analysts. We've been in China for over 40 years. Phil invested significant time and energy in China in the early days, and today we're the largest sports brand there, end quote. Knight instructed Stern to prioritize international growth, that's why the NBA has had zero interest in preserving and protecting college basketball. America's college stars do not resonate in China. Unlike the NFL, which benefits from the ready-made stars that enter the league from college, the NBA has an authentically supported rules that would keep its future players on college campuses for three or four years. But let me get back to Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Michael avoided politics because the American market was still important to Nike during his heyday. LeBron is an anti-American, far-left political activist because that messaging serves China, Nike's master. Of course you've been led to believe James is outspoken on police shootings because he's a voice for the voiceless poor and working-class black people. James is Nelson Mandela in gym shorts, according to Nike and corporate media. James is a businessman doing business with Nike. So are Colin Kaepernick, Serena Williams, Megan Rapino, and all the other multimillionaire woke warriors. Let me tell you which poor and working-class black people have no voice. The parents of young men slaughtered daily by random gang violence. Who speaks for them? Ben Crump? Nope. Al Sharpton? Nope. Black Lives Matter? Nope. Don Lemonade, nope. Van Jones, nope. Joy Reid, nope. Anderson Cooper, Antifa, nope. Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, Colin Kaepernick, Charlamagne tha God, John Legend, Cardi B, Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, Sean King, Jamel Hill, Max Kellerman. Who? Anyone you see regularly on that na- on a national platform? The police kill on average approximately 250 black people and 450 white people. I said that earlier in the show. According to statistics, in 2019, approximately 14,000 Americans were murdered and 7,500 of the victims were black. The 250 black people killed by police have about 250 national spokesmen appearing on television Daily. Who do the 7,500 murder victims have? I'll wait here as you Google an answer. Let me give you a hint. LeBron James's name ain't going to pop up. China doesn't allow it. China is a racist country that has no use for black people who can't sing, dance or dunk a basketball at the very highest level. This is an open secret. American-based global corporations know how China treats black and brown people. This is personal for me. A former Ball State football player, my alma mater, spent more than two years in a Chinese prison on bogus assault charges. Look up the story of Wendell Brown. While you're at it, look up the story of Jeff Harper the former Iowa Wesleyan basketball player who spent seven months in a Chinese prison because he came to the defense of a Chinese woman being assaulted on the streets by a Chinese man. We're going to have Harper and Brown on this show next week. Nike, the NBA, LeBron James, and countless other American businesses and businessmen are trying to serve two masters, America and China. Guess which master they hate?
0: It ain't China. Mm. Jimbo, what you got? Oh, man, this is easy, man. LeBron James ain't no damn fool, man. LeBron James knows he can't serve two masters, okay? That's why he just simply serves the one that's the highest bidder. Hey, man, I'm going to tell you something. Let's just be honest, bro. $40 will make you change. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, man. Hell, man, I won $200 in the crap game the other night. Hell, I changed. <laughs> First thing I did was change my damn phone number, so I'm not going to lie. It'll change you, man. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell LeBron James just like I told Orenthal James.
1: OJ. Bro. OJ. Go ahead.
0: I'm going to tell him like I told Orenthal, all right? Yeah. I don't condone how you handle your business, but I understand. <laughs> okay? <laughs> tell me something, man. Let me ask you this, man. Has yeah. LeBron James come out And denounce the claims that he be playing footsie with China when ain't nobody around.
1: No, he is not.
0: Has has LeBron James come out and in any way denounced the claims that he be twerking for China behind closed doors? (laughs) Hell no. You know why? Because if he did, Maverick Carter would slap that lace front off his forehead. (laughs) Okay? If he even did anything that messed up that money. Okay, LeBron James ain't crazy. He know what side of his bed his buttered on. That's true. LeBron James is not kicking China out to bed for eating crackers, Jason. <laughs> LeBron James was born at night. He wasn't born last night.
1: That's true.
0: That goes for Ben Crunk. That go for Al Sharp Tongue. Don Lemonade. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Grace Jones.
1: Van Jones,
0: Anderson, Lil' Cooper, and whoever in the hell else I forgot about over there at CNN. That's why they call themselves that, the China News Network. Okay, now let's 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 not forget Joy Reid and her little receding ass hairline. Hey, Joy's hairline left her quicker than LeBron James' hairline left him. Okay, now and what's the, what's the, what's that other white 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 girl's name? Joy Rachel Reid. Ra- Rachel's mad now. R- R- Racial Mad Now, that's her name. What'd you call her, Racial? R- Racial Mad Now, that's it. And that other little cute little light skinned colored girl with the big forehead. I like all them, all them girls over there, them, all them ladies at MSNBC. That's why they call it Miss NBC. Okay, but now, Joy, I like Joy. I like Joy because least Joy is a, at least Joy is a black lady. Unlike that vice president y'all got. Or that other one, what's her name? AOC? What? LOL. Whatever the hell it is, man. Look, man, none of them people, none of them people is going to tell you the truth. Ain't nothing going to tell you. All they going to sit up and talk about is how bad we got it in America. Okay, really, you, you think that it's, that our, our government is that bad? Okay, tell y'all what. Take y'all's ass over to China and tell them that to their face. You know what'll happen? You know what happened? they go over to China and do that, Jason? I know what'll happen. China will turn into pen and Teller on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> Poof. They ass will disappear. Hey, you know who else knows about how China treats black, brown, and women? America knows. But you know what America does? They sit back and they as quiet as a church mouse pissing on cotton. Now, my question is, do you think that America's being quiet for the same reason you're talking about LeBron being quiet? Yeah. See, well, what these young people say, is all about the Benjamin Crumps. <laughs> <laughs> Now here's the verse that you should have quoted for LeBron and I, I got it right here. you got to hold a verse for LeBron. Yeah, this is the verse you should have quoted yeah. and, I, and I quote it says that it is easier for a rich man to make a three-pointer from the back of a camel in a desert <laughs> than it is for him to make it into the kingdom of God. Oh you, see scripture. that's you said- why it's called the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of James.
1: That's a scripture, Jim. That's not a verse. Well, it is a verse, but yeah. scripture, scripture. It's from the Book of James. James Dodds. Or okay.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Trust me, man. Oh, They're gonna that, learn to read
1: do. that scripture again. My mother may be watching or listening. She may want to write this down. Do that. Do that verse. Do that scripture. It again. is
0: easier for a rich man to make a three-pointer from the back of a camel in a desert. Than it is for him to make it into the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of James, the kingdom of God. Pretty good. Thank you. Can I move on? That's why you paid me to.
1: Can I move on? Go ahead, let's go. Okay, can I, I want to move on and get to one more uh, topic. Uh, and this, listen, I, I told you, I went home to Indianapolis for uh, the 4th of July. We had a big barbecue. Shout out to Bubby Bowles and the Bowl, whole Bowles family.
0: Why didn't you invite me? My right-hand man. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Anyway, I sat at a table and I asked, uh, at the main table, there was about eight or nine of us around, and I, asked, I started a conversation about Bill Cosby. And it went nuts. So let me try it here. Let me see if it makes you go nuts again. Bill Cosby remains a beloved figure in some corners of the American zeitgeist for the exact same reason... Former President Donald Trump rose to power. The people in control of our academic, media, entertainment, and government institutions have gone way too far in their emasculation and demonization of men. Sir Isaac Newton's Third Law explains, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Humans, men and women, are attracted to, appreciate, and value masculinity. The left's defining of all masculinity as toxic and its attempt to eliminate that toxic masculinity has created a scarcity of masculine energy within our culture. Why is gold considered such a valuable resource? It's finite. It's scarce. The attack on male machismo has made it a new gold. Former President Trump intentionally emotes Masculinity. Some of it is fool's gold. Some of it is gold plated and some of it is authentic 14 karat gold. Trump understands the value of masculine energy in these times and adorns himself in bright gold chains like he's a gangster rapper. I bring all this up because Bill Cosby's lawyers won his release from prison last week. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned Cosby's 2018 conviction on sexual assault, ruling that prosecutors violated an agreement not to charge the iconic comedian and TV star. More than 50 women have claimed that Cosby drugged and assaulted them. Cosby's release sparked equal amounts of outrage, relief and joy. His Cosby show co-star Felicia Rashad tweeted, finally Terrible wrong is being righted, a miscarriage of justice is corrected. Rashad's tweet provoked Janet Hubert, the actress who played Aunt Viv on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, to write a rebuke of Claire Huxtable. Hubert tweeted, Aunt Viv tweeted, Felicia, what are you thinking? I don't know you, I don't know you, but to say this was terribly wrong, everyone knew what he was doing back then. How could you not? Get your umbrella, sister. Here comes the shower. I know five women who have not come forward. Enough, y'all. We know better. Powerful men do wrong things, black or white. Howard University, where Felicia Rashad was recently named Dean of Fine Arts at the Historically Black University, issued a statement disavowing Rashad's tweet supporting Cosby. Rashad is not alone in her support of Cosby's release. I'm in the group of people who were relieved when I heard the announcement. I recognize that the sheer number of Cosby's accusers speaks loudly and relatively clearly about his behavior. Cosby used his position of power and influence to prey on women, the same way many people believe former President Bill Clinton did. I get it. Cosby's no victim. But honestly, I have to admit I'm attracted to, appreciate, and value what Cosby represented for so many years. The importance of fatherhood and family. The emasculation and demonization of men have diminished the importance of fathers. This is especially true for black people. In-home fathers are scarce. Popular public figures who emphasize and promote nuclear family values are scarce. The reshaping of family structure being led by Hollywood, the music industry, Black Lives Matter, corporate media, and academia devalues men and fathers. The matriarchy dominates Black culture, a culture that has been programmed to celebrate degeneracy and the slaughter of black men and gang violence. It's not hard to understand why some of us foolishly hold on to our affinity for Bill Cosby. He's the only popular icon who spoke fiercely on behalf of men and women who prioritize traditional family values. Fatherhood is a scarce resource. Cosby sold fatherhood gold on every corner. If that gold wasn't scarce, None of us would have any respect for Cosby. He would be let, we would let go of our Cosby fondness the same way we let go of our fondness for popular r b singer and imprisoned sexual predator R. Kelly. The product R. Kelly sold was promiscuous sex. You can get that product anywhere and from anybody. It's not scarce. In fact, it's in abundant supply. Cosby offered something rare. No one has offered a replacement. Every TV, movie, music, and athletic star pretends that allowing eight-year-olds to gender transition is far more important than protecting the nuclear family. So Felicia Rashad clings to her despicably flawed television husband, we shouldn't feign bewilderment. Many of us who believe responsibly masculine men Are necessary for a successful and just society feel like we're trapped in the desert with no water in sight. Don't act surprised when we drink from the canteen of polluted men selling gold-plated truce. So Jim, I got to Indianapolis and I started defending Bill Cosby and people went off on me.
0: I ain't got no car, but I got a mouthful of gold <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry, man. Anyway,
1: what's your take on my, I guess it could be called a defense of Cosby, or it's defense of those of us that still have a modicum of res- uh, respect for Cosby?
0: First of all, let me tell y'all something. Y'all know y'all wrong, i.e., the people, whoever did it. Y'all know y'all wrong. That man's a doctor. That man's name is Dr. William Cosby. Okay. Now, I'm just gonna, let's just be real, man. Y'all would have never treated Greg and Marsha's daddy like that, would you? <laughs> huh? You, you, did you ever hear this about...
1: This what Brady Bunch got to do with okay, that. Okay, well, tell,
0: hold on. Have you ever heard about Richie and Joni Cunningham's daddy going to jail? Chachi's <laughs> daddy didn't go to jail. And everybody know that, that Fonzie was that boy's daddy. <laughs> okay. They didn't even send J.J.'s daddy, James Evans, to jail. That was in the 70s. You know what they did? They just killed his ass. <laughs> okay? <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Yeah. Hey, man, I like what God like, and it's nothing but the truth, okay? It's pure racism the way that they treated Dr. Heathcliff's husband. Okay? You would have never seen nothing like that happen to be in Cartwright. <laughs> Hey man, I was raised on. He's, he's I was raised bonanza? Is that bonanza? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Ponderosa, depending <laughs> on who you. Hey man, look, I was raised on Bill Cosby and the Cosby Kids. Yeah. Okay, my son Ducey, he watched Little Bill. Okay, Bill Cosby was an influential part of my life growing up as a kid. Okay, back in the days when a lot, lot of friends was following, they wanted to be like Richard Pryor. Uh, some people wanted to be like Flip Wilson. Well, my favorite was always Bill Cosby. So I would walk around and try to impersonate Bill Cosby and talk like him, Bill Cosby. So I would walk around to random people and say, "Well, excuse me, but I'd like to stick my Jell-O pudding in your pie hole, please." <laughs> 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 like I said, man, I used to wake up every Saturday morning. Oh
1: my God! You know the
0: sound of church music in pine Salt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and it wasn't because that's what my mama was because she was cleaning, but it was because I woke up to watch Fat Albert and the Cosby show. Yeah. Not just to watch Fat Albert and the Cosby show, because I always liked the end of the show because they always had them songs at the end of the show talking about what happened. Now remember I when remember, remember when Rudy's cousin Benny came on. And remember? They 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 wrote that song. And remember the song went, Begging Benny, he'll borrow anything you got. A shoe, a lamp, a three cent stamp or a coffee pot. He don't care what. Begging Benny, we're glad there aren't many like you. I remember that. You I remember. remember that? Now do you Not remember? that particular
1: song, but how the cosmic
0: okay, song was. Okay, but remember, remember the yeah. kid didn't like to brush his teeth. Yeah. Yuck mouth. Yeah. Remember the so? They call me Yuck Mouth because I don't brush. Because I like my teeth that way. <laughs> okay, now see, this is the part that bother me. Because I know it's just a matter of time before some little smart ass kid come out with a song talking about, we sorry, Cosby, but we gotta keep it real. You never should have made the old white lady cry. Even though you had sex with her about a thousand times, we sorry, Cosby. We know how you feel, but you did admit to giving her a pill. She probably would have done it on her own free will, but we sorry, Cosby.
1: Outcast, huh? I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. You just turned that into a song. I just got to my
0: baby's mamas, my mama's mamas, <laughs> and the baby's mamas that got the dramas
1: sorry, Cosby. I think you've gotten us in enough trouble. I'm not even going to try to engage on that. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't write the song. I didn't authorize the song. I had nothing. That's Uncle Jimmy. If Anybody's mad, call
0: Uncle Jimmy. Damn. <laughs> I'm, shit, I'm sorry, Pastor Cosby. I'm sorry for myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a
1: little bit more to go. We're going to play a game called Flip the Bird. I like that. Uncle Jimmy's gonna take some, rip something from Twitter and get my reaction. I'm gonna flip the bird. Yeah, Everybody knows I hate Twitter. And then we'll have our approval rating for Maria Taylor. And then we'll be out of here and we'll see you tomorrow. All that and more. Nerds. Welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, joined as always by my sidekick, Uncle Jimmy. All right, time now to bring the show to a conclusion by playing a little bit of a game we call Flip the Bird. (laughs) Uncle Jimmy hunts down something on social media or Twitter that uh, he thinks might irritate me and gets my reaction. What you got, Uncle Jimmy?
0: Oh, look here. Um, uh, the, the, this latest thing, uh, the U.S. Sprinter, uh, what's her name? Uh, Shakara, Shakara Richardson. Shakari Richardson. Shikara, she used to have that song. I should have covered the Shik-. That's Shakira,
1: her. Shakira, no, Shakira. No, that is not, she is not Shakira. That, Shakira, you talking about Hips Don't Lie.
0: Yeah. yeah. Have you seen this girl run? Yeah. Hips Don't Lie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for, for yeah, those of you. Have seen those, her those, hair?
1: Oh, my God. Seen them fingernails. You seen them eyelashes.
0: Okay, and I don't think that that's... I think that gives her an unfair advantage. I, I think it... It lets her cut through the wind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, what, hey, listen, what's it, your tweet? What's everybody your... knows that uh, Miss Richardson won't be allowed to run in the Olympic 100-meter race yeah. due to a one-month ban for a positive marijuana test. Yes. But she could, complete, she could compete in the other relays. Uh, I thought it was amazing because of some of the tweets, everybody's coming to her defense. And I, I think some of the people that made that, that tweeted out, I thought it was amazing. And here's one from Chris Collinsworth. The football broadcast. Our good friend, Chris Collinsworth. Yeah, I like Chris Collinsworth. I yeah. did too. He said, I thought we were past being pot police.
1: Mm, I disagree with it. We need to be pot police. And again, I used to smoke weed. I'm not some prude, but, uh, you know, there's a reason why. Jim, you worked in a jail. How many people do foolish things, criminal things, while high?
0: Well, and after they come down, they're like, oh, damn, what was that (laughs) idea?" There you (laughs) go. There you go. Yeah. You know, the other thing is this, man, look. uh, um, There's certain, if you want to smoke pot, don't try to get in a job that says you can't smoke pot. You know what I'm saying? Become a rapper. Become a rapper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's other. Become a basketball player. You know, there's other jobs that you can do. But if your job says no, look, man, I don't want to see. I don't want to be on an airplane. talking about. Thank you for flying Spirit Airlines. I'm your pilot, Captain Nuggie. I'm not gonna feel good about. You don't want to be on Soul Plane? No. <laughs> Now I tell you, now this is serious. I tell yeah. you, one group, one, one, one group of people, they should let smoke weed. Oh, they should let police officers smoke weed. <laughs> think about it. If you on a call, you getting ready to go beat somebody, you you like, mm, 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 you mad. But if you're driving like this, you're like Shh. that time you get up to the car. <laughs> don't feel like all that mess, man? Don't nobody feel like fighting. That's no, true. Think about that. That's true. It, it would have calmed the police officers down.
1: Well. I don't... It's not the... It's the suspects who need to be calmed down more than police, but...
0: Yeah, you get what I'm saying. But hold it, hold it. Yeah. It would make the... It would open up the lines of communication with the police officers and some of the people in the inner city. How you doing today, Tyro? Here you got that good, good. (laughs) (laughs) See, you see... Hey, come on now. We moving here. Yeah, you got that chronic. You got that pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I hear, man. Uh, And on that note right here, listen to this. Yeah, yeah. The Rookie of the Year. Who? Oh. Mellow Ball. Oh, LaMelo. L- little Mello. LeVar Ball's son. Hey, man, listen to what this brother yeah. said. I mean, I just look. How does this dude... He-, he, didn't high, he didn't go to high school. He's 18, 19. He's like 15. He yeah. like 15. Yeah. This dude talking about, if it ain't crack, let it run track. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it to hell, that shit sound whack.
1: <laughs> yeah, that does sound a little crazy. He's definitely a chip off the old block. There you go. All right, I, I I flipped the bird.
0: There you go. I that would need bird. to be
1: flipped. Can we go? Can we go to our approval rating for Maria Taylor? Oh, we started my the goodness. Show? Let's. Approval rating for Maria Taylor, who's in the news because uh, her and Rachel Nichols are. In a blood feud that spilled out onto the pages of the New York Times. Little ginger nick. Yeah, a little (laughs) ginger spilled out onto the pages of the New York Times. And and Rachel started her show yesterday with a weak apology or you know, telling she's deeply sorry. I wrote a piece today saying that Rachel basically said, I'm deeply sorry, you're not woman enough for this job. Let me give you a belly rub
0: and a pat on the head to calm you down. Can I ask you why you keep talking about a belly rub like it's a bad thing? I mean, come on. Jason, how many times have I been talking to you about Yeah, <laughs> Man, a belly rub has a way of curing all.
1: Come on, man. Uh, there's some truth to that. But anyway, uh, Maria Taylor's in the news. And now they've announced that they've pulled Rachel Nichols off the NBA Finals as a sideline reporter. She's lost her job. And they've given it to Malika Andrews, one of uh, Maria Taylor's best friends, another soul sister. And so Malika Andrews has not only jumped over Rachel Nichols, she's jumped over Doris Burke and every Cassidy Hubbard, everybody. And so uh, we got some reparations going on over at ESPN. So anyway, let's get to our approval rating for uh, Maria Taylor. Uh, job performance, Jim. How how is how do you rate uh, Maria Taylor as a broadcaster, host of NBA Countdown, sideline reporter? I think for college football, uh, I have her at about an 18. Great sideline reporter. We were just judging her on her work on college football. I'd go as high as 24, 25. Uh, As a host of the NBA countdown, kind of a lightweight. So I got her an 18 job performance.
0: Um, I have to give her a 22. A 22? I would give her a 22. Job performance, why? Job performance. Why? I mean, first of all, because truthfully, does she have to talk? All she got to do is sit there and cross them legs. Let me tell you something. I would leave you right now today to take the job of being the man that sprays armor all on her legs. (laughs) God damn it, if I'm lying, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Maria. God damn it, I'll show him. Come on.
1: All right, authenticity, Jim. Do you think... You skipped one. Oh, I'm sorry. Character. Thank you. Do you think, what do you think of her character?
0: I think she plays her character well. I think, and just like, yeah, a, when we're 17. talking about, I know,
1: but when we're talking about character, we're not talking about a television character. We're talking about her
0: morality, integrity. So I gotta you got to listen, I got to listen to your monologues, but you have to listen to what I say. I told you what I say. This is W W E S P N. ESPN. She plays the hell out of this character.
1: And so you have her at a 17. 17. I've got her at a 2 in character. I think she's run a bus over Drew Brees, Dave Lamont, and now Rachel Nichols, and she'll eventually run that bus over a lot of these people that are supporting her. So I've got her at a 2 in character. Thank you for getting me back on point. Authenticity. Do you think she's authentic? Uh,
0: I give her a 6. I give her a six.
1: Oh no authenticity. We're we're in agreement. I give her a one in terms. Well,
0: I'm a little better than you. I mean, I don't know why you give her a one, but I'm gonna be honest. As long as I've watched her, um, I've never actually seen her on TV without a weave. I <laughs> honestly, I, I think she has HIB. What? A, she has HIB. H-I-B? Yes. B is in boy. Hair in a box. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hair eyeball.
1: You know what, and I'm glad, let me take a moment, because I got her at a one, and let me, I forgot to explain, because me and you have been doing the approval (laughs) rating for years, don't speak for yourself. Everything's on a scale of one to 25, and then we add it up at the end for an overall score. So everything's on a scale of one to 25. One to 25. Uh, It factor. Does she have an it factor, you know, that special charisma that a lot of, celebrities have, do you think Maria has an it factor? Where do you rate her?
0: One in I would say that factors? everybody over there at WWESPN can't be wrong. I'll give her an 18. I'm going to go higher. I think
1: she's got an it factor of like 24. I think that's what's carrying wow. Anytime I see her, I've said it many times, she makes love to the camera. She really does. She looks awesome on. Jason,
0: TV. but people, because people say you do things to the camera.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think I'm right in that same lane with her. I'm probably a 24, uh, it's maybe more, a 25. More, line, more
0: along the lines of debauchery, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have her at an overall score of 45, a complete dumpster fire. Uh, we have, and by the way, we have five different categories. Jim has her in the second category, the second lowest category. At a 62, or is that a 63? that's
0: a, that's a 63. That's, I got a candle lit.
1: Oh, 63, yeah. Mm-hmm. Candle lit. And, uh, on, you, and the up. next level up is Grease Fire, Crown Raw, then Smoke Show, and then Blazing Juice. Hot. I've got her at the
0: bottom of the scale. It, it, it's fashionable to smoke weed nowadays, ain't it? Yeah, what and are you talking about i'm just thinking i'm thinking if i had maria and i'd get some champagne you're never going to
1: top the armor or armor or whatever armor all, line you can't touch you can't top that you yeah that was a, that was the
0: fact damn somebody me got by to be spraying all on them legs <laughs> <laughs>
1: like the orange sponge and <laughs> 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 like how y'all used to do them tires man back in the Clean day it. yeah
0: I'll be yeah. like, look at it. She ain't got to say a word. Just sit there with her leg like that.
1: <laughs> Jim, that's it and that's all. Thank you, man. We'll good. See you tomorrow.